0: During my freshman year of college, I heard about a young lady, another student, a fellow freshman named Julie Broen. I didn't actually meet her for most of that year, but I heard about her. And then shortly before the end of the year, we actually met over lunch in the, in the cafeteria of the college, and, and we talked about all the typical stuff that college kids talk about when they first meet. What's your major? What dorm do you live in? Where are you from? After that lunch, if you would have asked me, oh, do you know Julie? I would have said, yes, I know her. But what I really would have meant was, I've met her, because I certainly didn't know her well at all. Well, during our sophomore year, we entered into a relationship, and it lasted throughout the rest of our time at college. Six months after graduation, we were married. And if you'd asked me at that point, do you know Julie? I would have said yes. I know Julie pretty well. Yet getting married should never be the end point of getting to know your life partner because there always is more to know. A few years ago, Julie and I went to a marriage retreat. And during one part of that weekend, the leaders asked us to go off as couples and work through some discussion questions together. And as we were talking, I learned something wonderful and new about my wife. I was surprised. I was amazed. I was delighted. And to me, it is a wonderful thing that even after many years, there's never an end to our potential to know each other better. And I think that's the way all healthy relationships should work. We hear about someone. We meet someone. We get to know someone. And as we invest in the relationship, then we continually can know the other person ever better. That same thing is true in the spiritual arena of life. And we can go from knowing about Jesus to meeting Jesus through repentance and baptism. And then embarking on a lifelong journey of faith, of getting to know him better. And I think we make a mistake because sometimes we act as if meeting Jesus is the end point. But it's not. It's only the starting point. Because when we get connected to Jesus, we begin a spiritual adventure with Jesus that is not supposed to end. And what's so wonderful is this. The better that we know him, the more he shapes our character. The better we know him, the more he brings meaning and purpose and focus to our lives. That's why knowing Jesus forms the basis of our mission to the world. We describe the mission of our church with this simple statement, to know him, to love him, to share him. We've written that statement on the wall, out in the lobby, above the gym doors. And over the next three weeks, as we talk about our mission statement, we're going to be hanging banners here in the auditorium to keep this in front of us and to remind us about this so that we never forget our mission. We have a mission that God wants us to pursue individually and together, and our mission begins with our desire. In fact, I hope our hunger to know Jesus, not just to know about Him, Not just to meet him, but to know him. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4 to 14, the Apostle Paul talks about the importance of knowing Jesus, and he begins by talking about something that is a poor substitute for actually knowing Jesus. Let's take a look. Philippians chapter 3, starting in the back half of verse 4. Paul writes, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. I have a question for you. Are you confident that you are a child of God? If so, what is that confidence based on? For Paul, before he met Jesus, his spiritual confidence was based on a list of credentials. He believed that he was on God's side and that God was on his side for a variety of human reasons including even the accident of birth, because of the accident of being born into one of the prominent Jewish tribes, because of the faith of his parents who circumcised him according to the law, and then because of his own devotion to the Jewish law and Jewish tradition. For all of these reasons, Paul thought, I'm good with God. And yet, as Paul now acknowledges, these simply were things of the flesh. In other words, they were human credentials, and they said very little about whether or not Paul actually knew God. And as I read Paul's self-description here, I'm reminded of my friend Rich, who was not a follower of Jesus when I first met him. And yet he, like Paul, had great confidence in his credentials. Richard and I once were having a spiritual conversation, and he said something like this I know I'm right with God. And I asked him why. And he said, Because I was raised by parents who regularly went to church. They had me baptized as an infant. They took me to Sunday school and made sure I learned some of the basic Bible stories. And because of that, I know how to live as a good person. I'm honest, I'm dependable. And I attend church several times a year. Do you see any similarity between Rich's comments and the words of the Apostle Paul? I did. So, I gently pointed out to Rich that he had placed his spiritual confidence in a set of human credentials. Credentials which said nothing about whether or not Rich actually knew Jesus. I then showed him what the Apostle Paul had to say about the difference between confidence in credentials and confidence in Christ. Look what Paul writes next, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith." I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. When Paul met Jesus, he realized that his human credentials had little value. And he now realizes how foolish it was to place his confidence in anything other than knowing Jesus. And so he takes a good, hard look at things he had treasured. The credentials he used to convince himself and to convince the world around him that he and God were tight. And now he's willing to leave all those things behind. He no longer puts those credentials in the win column of life. He puts them in the loss column of life. He even calls them garbage. Paul takes his former credentials and he throws them on the trash heap because they did not equip him to know God. And he now knows that the only way to have any spiritual confidence is to place our confidence in Christ. You see, our spiritual confidence never can be based on what we have done because then it's just human-engineered righteousness. It's self-righteousness. Our spiritual confidence must be based on who Jesus is. And on what Jesus has done, that's the righteousness of faith. And there is a stark difference between these two things. We could say it this way. Before Paul knew how to live a religious life. Now Paul knows Jesus. What a difference. And yet, and yet, if Paul does know Jesus, then why does he say in verse 10, I want to know Christ? Does he know Jesus or not? Well, earlier in his life, Paul experienced a very dramatic encounter with the crucified and resurrected Jesus. And that story is recorded for us in the book of Acts, and we explored that story in detail last Sunday. And so we know that Paul moved in his relationship from knowing about Jesus to meeting Jesus to become a follower of Jesus. And that transforming moment in Paul's life occurred about two decades before the words that he wrote here in Philippians. So Paul already knows Jesus. And yet he says here, I want to know Christ. Is he doubting his faith? I don't think so. When I first read this passage many years ago, it didn't make sense to me at all. And I spent a lot of time praying over it and wrestling with it, and it took me a while to catch on, but I finally realized that Paul is saying something profound, something I hope we catch. He's saying, in essence, I met Jesus 20 years ago, and the adventure is not yet over. I know Jesus pretty well, but there's always more to learn. So more than anything in this life, I want to strengthen my connection with Jesus, and I want to know Him better and better and better. And that same thing is true for you and for me. The adventure isn't over. If you are a brand new believer, you have a lifetime ahead of you where you can continually know Jesus better. And if you are a spiritual veteran and you've known Jesus for many years, then don't get comfortable. Don't get complacent. Don't take that connection with Jesus for granted because there's always more to know. And until we draw our last breath, the adventure of knowing Jesus is not over for any of us. And Paul here in a very short and succinct way wants us to know that this adventure with Jesus is something we can experience in every aspect of life. In the highs and the lows, and the victories and the failures, and in the moments of triumph and the moments of loss. And we experience Jesus and know Jesus in those moments when we suffer. Because Jesus suffered. And he will meet us in the midst of our own hardship. And we experience and know Jesus when we are able to look beyond the circumstances of life and trust Jesus and live by faith. And in those moments, we know that He is the living and resurrected Lord whose power is at work in our lives. We experience and know Jesus as we embrace the marvelous hope that Paul writes about, the hope that when we reach the end of our lives, then God's unbelievable promise will come true, that somehow, in a way we never can fully understand nor explain, we will mysteriously move from this life to the next. Like Jesus, we will be resurrected. We will have our own resurrection from death, and we will enjoy new life beyond the grave. Paul's telling us that we can know Jesus through success, through suffering, and even through death and beyond. This is a very countercultural message because we live in a culture that promotes an extreme view of safety and comfort. We live in a culture where hardship and struggle and pain and inconvenience are virtually always seen as liabilities and not as assets. Paul would strongly disagree. He was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He spent time in jail unjustly. He also introduced hundreds of people to Jesus and started new churches all over the world. His life was not easy. It was not comfortable. It was challenging. It was hard at times. And Paul navigated all of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly, not because he had the right credentials. He navigated life well because of his confidence in Jesus. A confidence that grew with each passing year because he used every experience of life to know Jesus Spent some time this week pondering this passage and thinking about it in light of you, in light of our church family. And I'm so thankful that so many of you are doing the same thing as Paul. As I look around this room, I see people who have navigated very difficult relocations and job changes, people who've lost a spouse. People who have faced a life-threatening illness. People who sacrificially give their time to serve others in this church family and strengthen the community of faith. People who give their time sacrificially to step outside these walls and touch the lives of marginalized people in our community. I see people who have experienced the resurrection power of Jesus in the ups and downs of life. And so many of you have connected to Jesus more deeply through your experiences, both the good and the bad. And as a result, your faith has grown, and you know Jesus better than ever. And your confidence in him is stronger than ever. And I want you to know that your example of faith encourages me. Your example of faith inspires me. You inspire me to press on. Because that is what Jesus wants all of us to do. To press on with him and to never stop. And that's what Paul writes about next. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, does that sound like an easy life? (laughs) Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul wants us to know that to be confident in Christ does not mean to become complacent in Christ. The life of faith has no room for complacency, which is why Paul writes here that he's not yet arrived. The spiritual adventure is not yet over. And Paul realizes that the only way to stay spiritually healthy is to keep his focus on Jesus, to pursue Jesus relentlessly. So he turns his back on his old credentials. He places his confidence in Christ. And he presses on diligently to know Jesus better until the day God calls him home to heaven. What a great plan for living by faith and knowing Jesus better. Forget credentials. Have confidence in Christ. Press on with Jesus. Now that does, I think, raise a practical question. How do we actually do that? How do we press on? Among other things, I believe that means we cannot live out our faith in predictable, routine, well-worn ruts. Because that so easily can lead to complacency. I think we need to be open to new ways in which Jesus can speak to us. Open to new ways in which Jesus will reveal himself to us. New ways in which you and I can experience the resurrection power of Jesus in the various circumstances of our lives. I mentioned earlier that after all these years of marriage, my wife still surprises me by revealing new things to me about her character and her nature. And the same thing is true with Jesus. If I'm pressing on and keeping my focus on him, then he will help me continually know him better. I just need to be looking for it. And this is what I want for me. This is what I want for each of you. And more than anything, the leaders of our church want to equip every member of this church family to be able to press on with Jesus. And we are taking specific steps to help you do just that. It's for this reason that we did something radically different on Good Friday this year. Instead of a typical worship service, we offered a worship experience. Now, I'm all for worship services. I think they're they're very important. They play a vibrant part of our life together. When we come together like this on Sunday mornings for times of fellowship and worship, we build a sense of community as we approach God and experience His presence together. But worship services also have some drawbacks. When you attend a worship service, you, you are to a certain extent passively consuming what we dispense. And the kind of experience we offered on Good Friday was markedly different. Because all we did was provide a handout and four different stations around the auditorium. And the people who came had to use that handout on their own without any outside direction. And it was so exciting to see all over this auditorium, children, teens, adults, reading scripture, praying, about the scriptures they read, contemplating and discussing what they read and taking communion. Some some of those people were alone, some came with a friend, some came with family, but they all did it without any direction from someone on the platform. We wanted to provide that experience as a way to equip you to press on with Jesus and know Him better. And that's why we're going to continue to offer that kind of experience periodically for the same reason, in order to equip you to press on, we offered growth triads and introduced that to you a couple of weeks ago. This is not a new program. This is a new process for building community and helping each other get to know Jesus better. And triads are very simple and very transforming. Three people get together on a consistent basis, they discuss various aspects of the life of faith, and then they pray for each other and encourage each other and help each other to grow. The whole purpose of a triad is to help each other press on toward this goal of knowing Jesus better, equipping ourselves to know Him better through the experience of life. Yesterday, several people went through a triad orientation presentation and they're now ready to form some new groups. And if you'd like more information or if you'd like to become part of a triad, please speak with Rob Carney, our associate minister. Or you can take that connection card in your program, just jot on it, growth triads, put your card in the box you'll see on your way out the glass doors and we will get back to you. If you want to press on with Jesus, If you want to know Jesus better, a growth triad is a great way to do just that. Sometimes when I'm reading these Bible passages, I I like to imagine what it might be like to have the, the biblical author here with us as we're reading his words and considering what he has to say. So, I began to wonder if the Apostle Paul were here on the platform today. What might he say to us? In light of these great words of wisdom that he wrote to the believers in Philippi so long ago, I think Paul might say something like this Do you know Jesus? If you do, are you in maintenance mode where you're just spiritually treading water and your relationship with Jesus isn't really growing? Or are you taking advantage of opportunities to know Jesus in richer and deeper ways through the experiences of life, to know Him better so that your confidence in Him increases? How might Jesus invite you to press on in your spiritual adventure so you can know Him better?